Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. About 750 to 800 years before Jesus, God called the prophet Jonah to go to the Assyrian capital of Nineveh and to preach to them a message. But Jonah wanted none of it. He hated these people. The the Assyrians were enemies of his people, the Israelites. And so what did he do? Uh, I'll give you a quick recap. If you want to read more about it later, just go read the book of Jonah. It'll take about 10 minutes. But Jonah went the complete opposite direction. He got in a boat and tried to sail away from God and, and his responsibility. But God intervened and he sent a storm Jonah was thrown overboard. God provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, spit him out on the land, and then Jonah obeyed. He went to Nineveh and preached 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then he waited to see what would happen. Well, the people listened and repented. And the book of Jonah tells us that when God saw that they, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. That city of 120, more than 120,000 people listened. So what would you expect Jonah to do? Maybe throw a party. God told me to go. I did not listen But God intervened, he saved me, I went, and everyone listened. But the only party that he threw was a pity party. He he, he said to God, he prayed and he said, God, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I left. I knew that you're a God who who shows compassion and relents from doing evil and, and carrying this out when people repent. He said, now God, take away my life. I want to die. I'm so angry about this. He did not like those people. He hated them. He he did not think that they were worthy of God's mercy and peace. He wanted to see them destroyed, and that didn't happen. And so he said, take away my life. I'd rather die. And so God told him, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people? God has great concern for the loss, and he showed that with the people of Nineveh. So fast forward about eight centuries, and we see tax collectors and sinners coming to Jesus to listen to him. Tax collectors were very often people that got rich by being corrupt charging more taxes than necessary and keeping the rest for themselves. And they were seen by the Jewish people as traitors because they worked for the Romans. And the word sinners there, um, if your daughter, not that there was homecoming, but if your daughter would tell you that they're going to homecoming with a sinner, you would not be happy. These were people that had a reputation for not caring at all about God's law or what he was doing. And yet Jesus who loves the lost, who came into the world to give his life for sinners, came and sat with them and ate with them to teach them the word of God and to bring them also to repentance. But when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, 
All right, people who very often thought that if God loved anyone, it must be them because of the way they tried to obey God's law and then even added extra laws to it. When they saw what Jesus was doing and who he was hanging out with, the Bible says they muttered. They said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That was not a compliment. These people were not, in their minds, these people were not worthy of God's mercy and God's peace and God's presence. They already didn't like Jesus anyways, and they were looking for more reasons, and they just muttered such words. So Jesus directed our our lesson from Luke today towards these Pharisees and tax collectors. And he he told them in Luke Luke 15, three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and uh, what we know as the prodigal son. We're not going to talk about that today. You can read that in Luke 15, one of Jesus' most famous parables. But he starts out by speaking about the lost sheep. A shepherd has a hundred sheep, and one gets lost. And so he leaves the other nine... In the other 99, out in the open field, and he goes and searches for that one lost sheep. And when he finds it, Jesus said he joyfully takes it up and puts it on his shoulder. He doesn't kick the lost sheep, he doesn't berate it or beat it. He picks it up joyfully. And carries it home. And then when he gets home, he throws a party. He, he, he tells his friends and family, he gathers them together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And Jesus says, this is how God goes after it and, and rejoices in the lost sinner. Pharisees, I, I, I don't have the same attitude as you. Right? I, I don't come to confirm people in their sin, and I'm not going to confirm you in your self-righteousness, but I want all people to repent, and it brings me and the angels in heaven joy. And then he continues with the lost coin. Uh, Jesus said, a, a woman had ten silver coins. The word that's used there is drachma, which was like a day's wage. So this woman had ten silver coins, which were the equivalent of ten days' worth of work, and she loses one. And so what does she do? She lights a lamp. Remember, they didn't have artificial lighting. She sweeps the floor. And many of those floors were like dirt floors and very uneven. She, right, sweeps and then carefully searches for it. You can imagine her on the ground looking, where is my lost coin? And then when she finds it, she also has a party. She calls her friends together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin And Jesus tells you, I tell you, there's presence, there's joy and rejoicing in the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Think of that picture of rejoicing, something in your life that brought you spontaneous joy. I I think of uh, a number of years back going to a soccer game in in Leon, Mexico, and they were losing, the, the, the local team was losing the game, they came back, and in the final minutes they scored a goal, and people were throwing their drinks in the air, their food in the air, they were screaming, yelling, giving people high fives, air horns were going off, it was just euphoric over a soccer game. That's the kind of party that's going on in heaven over one sinner who repents. Now remember that Jesus was telling this parable to Pharisees and teachers of the law. And so we might ask ourselves, how do we avoid that kind of attitude of of muttering about those that Jesus wants to come to him? 
right? How do we make Mount Olive a, a, a place here where lost sinners would come in and hear and be rejoiced in about hearing that Jesus has come into the world to search them and to find them and die on the cross for them? That's what we want, right? We, we don't want this to become a church where pretty good people come to hang out with, for the most part, pretty good other people to hear some advice on how we can just get a little bit better. May the Lord keep us from that kind of attitude. How do we do that? Perhaps you think in your life, is there ever a time or are there people in your own life who could possibly, because of something you've done, rightfully look at you and mutter? About you? Or something you've done? Have you ever gotten close to really making a mess out of your life because of some sin that you did? Or maybe you did make a mess out of your life. And here you are listening to God's grace for you, which is good. Or maybe you're like, you know what, Pastor? Like, I actually like, don't really remember. I don't know too many people that you know, are super offended by things that I've done to them in the past and I can't really remember making a mess out of my life. Well, then just listen to what the Bible says. That if it weren't for Jesus searching you out and finding you and keeping you in his word, your sinful nature would take you to a place where you'd be completely lost. Right? The, the biggest issue, we don't fear love and trust in God above all things. We fear the news more than we fear God. We love our stuff more than we love God. And we trust in our own abilities more than we trust in God's providing. We have anger coming up that causes problems in our families. We have discontentment that's always ready to come up. The fact of the matter is, is that without Jesus Christ, we would all be lost. And that's the truth. The truth is, there is no one who has entered the family of God by their own merits or by their own searching out and looking for God. Every single one of you has entered the family of God because Jesus went off for that lost sheep, he swept the floor, he lit the lamp, and he carefully found you. Whether you have been a Christian for almost your entire life, or whether you've recently came to know God, it was all Jesus' work. You might say, well, I was just born into a Christian family. And so my family brought me to the baptismal font and, and that's kind of why I'm, that's why, that's why I'm a Christian. Well, well, theologically, that's not the entire truth. Do you see behind all of that, Jesus arranging the situations in life that were out of your control so that you would be found by him? Maybe even as a baby as you were brought to the baptismal font. Or maybe you were without God or weak in faith or you're not even sure and yet you married someone who through that relationship you came to know Christ or know him better. Do you see Jesus searching you out in all of that? Was it a mere coincidence? God would say it wasn't. Or whether someone shared the gospel with you at, at a different time of your life, this was not, according to God's word, some kind of coincidence. It was Jesus behind the whole thing. You were an object of rejoicing in heaven as God found you and brought you into his family. 
Because Jesus came down to earth and left heaven to die on the cross for the sins of all humanity, and that includes you. And then Jesus went and did the work of searching you out. How does he do that? Well, in his word and in his sacrament. Think about that, in his word. How does he share that word? He shares his word through people. God wants you to be a, be a part of this joy, to, to share the message of Jesus with others and to bring them to, and to understand, do you believe that those in this world without Christ, without faith in Christ, are lost? Do you believe that? No doubt you do. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here on the other hand, like, Pastor, I know this, and this, this is something that bothers me regularly. But I don't know how to approach people. I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm not a pastor. Like, like what kind of things am I supposed to say to people? Or, or, or I, I feel so guilty about all of the opportunities that I've missed that have been present before me when I did not share God's word. Brothers and sisters in Christ, take heart. Your sin is forgiven. But on top of that, changing people's minds is not about you. Bringing people to repentance is not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus searching out that lost sheep, sweeping, lighting the lamp, and carefully searching for it. And he uses you. I mean, Jesus could have, of course, just if he directly did it himself without people, could probably do a lot better job, but he, he did it through us. He does it through us, through those maybe clumsily spoken words of law and gospel and our imperfect attempts to do that. There is Jesus sweeping and searching out and finding them. This is Jesus' work. Think about it. We started talking about Jonah at the beginning. You could make an argument that perhaps he was one of the most successful missionaries ever. I mean, in a short period of time, 120,000 people repented. And he didn't even want to do it. And he wasn't happy. And he had a completely awful motivation for doing it. And yet it was God's work. An entire city repented. And again, maybe you're sitting here like, yeah, I, I mean, you don't really see that a whole lot. I mean, 120,000 people, and that's, that's true. And maybe you get overwhelmed by all of the people that, that, that don't believe it and you're like, well, I know I'm supposed to make disciples of all nations and all of this. Well, take that verse for a second, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Who did Jesus speak that to you? Did he speak that to you, the individual, or to the church? He spoke that to his disciples. The, the word there is all of you go out. That go and make disciples of all nations was something that was spoken to church. All believers everywhere. We work together in doing that. But think of this parable. It's not possible for every single individual to go to every country and make disciples of every single nation. But if you think about this parable, Jesus sought out the one. So maybe you think by starting and thinking about one. Maybe it's your neighbor that neighbor who's actually doing pretty successful doesn't even really know that he's lost because things are relatively going pretty well. Maybe it's somebody you know that's drifted away from God's word and from church. 
Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's that coworker. Maybe it's one person. But in this parable, think about one. Pray about one. Prepare to share the gospel for one. Ask the Lord to open the door for an opportunity for one. And I was just thinking about this just as the children's devotion was right here. If, if those of you with children that age want help, talk to your children about it. And watch them pray about it. And have them help you. Jesus, there is rejoicing in the presence of God over one who repents. You, at one time, were an object of that. It still brings joy that you are in the family of God. And what a wonderful privilege we have to share in that work. And it's Jesus' work. What wonderful work that it is. Amen. Please stand.